This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode, we'll be speaking with chefs and authors about their favorite ingredients. We'll also be speaking with the producers of those ingredients and talking about why they're so great and so loved by chefs. Speaking of ingredients, Andrea, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite cheeses. I know you're not a huge fan. I like it, but I don't love it like you do. Feta cheese. Feta. Why don't you love it? Sometimes it has like a very strong aroma and flavor to me that is, it just overtakes everything. I also don't, as you know, and I'm sure our listeners are going to boo and hiss me, but I don't love sheep and goats cheeses. Ooh, hiss, hiss, <laughs> ooh, oh, I can hear them. See, I hear it. So if it's a cow's feta, I love it, and I think it adds saltiness. If it's sheep, I'm not in. Oh, sorry. One of my favorite things to eat, especially in summer, but even year-round, is a Greek salad. I Describe just, your favorite Greek salad, John. My favorite Greek salad is cucumbers, tomatoes, red onion, you know, ring slices of red bell pepper, Okay. a copious amount of feta cheese in a thick slab. Yep, you need it like on top, right? Yep, on top. A generous sprinkle of dried oregano flakes, a lot of extra virgin olive oil poured on top, a splash, and I mean a splash, like a half a teaspoon of red wine vinegar and salt. That sounds delicious. It's really healthy. It's really delicious. It's the feta cheese that makes that salad. Without it, if you just had that, it's yeah, it's a fine salad. The feta adds the salt, a certain kind of, I don't want to use the word umami because it's overused, but it gives you this like richness to the salad yeah. that's got this flavor. It adds a creaminess and it like brings all of the other flavors together. Yeah. Kinda. And you want to know what really I get very upset when I see it is lettuce in a Greek salad. I don't mind a Greek salad if it has a couple capers in it. I don't mind a Greek salad if it has olives in it. I actually like the olives in there. When you start seeing the addition of either iceberg, romaine, or mescaline, I can't. I'm with you on that. It one. actually takes away from it. I have nothing. I love iceberg lettuce. Don't get me wrong. A wedge a salad wedge, yeah. is one of my favorite salads. So feta is not just about Greek salads, though. Feta is having this moment. It had a moment during COVID. What was that whole thing like the baked feta? Yeah, there was a, a TikTok video that came out that people were, you know, making this feta pasta. You take kind of all the ingredients, you stick a chunk of feta cheese in the middle, you bake it. And then when it comes out, you stir it all together. And it was, it kind of exploded during COVID. There was like a feta shortage. I don't even know what TikTok is, but... You're showing your age, John. Yeah, I know. What else? Whipped feta is another thing. Mm -hmm. Yum. Love it on a crostini, drizzle with olive oil, with some lemon, oregano, black pepper. So on this episode, we're going to be speaking with a good friend and an amazing restaurateur from the San Francisco Bay Area, Charles Balili's. He has Suvla Restaurant. This is one of my favorite places to eat in all of America. There's a major difference between feta from Greece and feta from anywhere else. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint. When you know it, you know it. We'll also be speaking with Kolios, the Greek dairy, about their feta cheese and why it's been so popular at the Chef's Warehouse. People consume more than 10 kilograms of feta per year. Wow. Very common to eat feta almost with every meal. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. Andrea, I'm so happy today. We've got Charles Belilis joining us from Suvla Restaurants out in San Francisco. Welcome, Charles. Thanks for being here. Uh, it is my pleasure. So happy and honored to be hanging out with you two today. 
Uh, the honor is ours. So Charles and I met Andrea. I'm going to say like, how long has Suvla been open, Charles? We're coming up on eight years. Oh so my I would, God. I would, I would, I know. Oh, I know. It's wild. I was going to say four years ago, but okay. No. So we probably met 10 years ago because yeah. Charles's wife, Jennifer Pelka, loveliest of lovely people, used to Back. work for Danielle Balud in New York City. And then next thing you know, they are now running probably what I consider the greatest Greek concept restaurant in the United States called so Suvla. So Charles, you grew up Greek family yes, in, in Massachusetts? In Massachusetts, yeah, just a, a little suburb uh, just outside Boston. Um, but yeah, Greek, uh, both sides. Uh, my mother came to the U.S. Uh, when she was in high school from Greece. My father's side, his grandparents came in through Ellis Island. Interesting sort of generation, if you will, so much revolved around food. My grandfather actually ran restaurants um, in the greater Boston area. My other grandfather was just one of those naturally talented cook, just a true savant. There was always a lot of food. There was always a lot of feta. Um, and there was always a lot of lamb. You know, so much of the the origin story of, of, of Sula can be tied back to some of those early childhood memories of Greek Easter and setting up the spit with the charcoal and the baby lamb and just having that thing going all day long. So today we're talking about specifically, this is Ingredient Insiders. We're talking about feta cheese, the most Greek of Greek cheeses, I think. And, you know, and in your blood from an early age, what is so great about feta cheese? It's one of the things that's, that, that's so intrinsically tied to the country of Greece and to Greek cuisine. It wasn't until, you know, almost 20 years ago that feta actually got its PDO designation. When you talk to certainly non-Greek people about Greek foods, it will always, it will be in the top three for, for sure. One of the things that I find to be so unique and different when thinking about Greek cuisine and, and a lot of the cuisine of, of, the, of the general area versus, you know, kind of how we dine here in the U.S. Feta is, it is a staple at basically, at literally every meal. Probably the best way to sort of describe it is the fact that it's a table cheat. It's on the table at every meal period. And certainly whenever you dine out in Greece, uh, you know, whether it's at someone's home or in a restaurant, there's probably feta cheese that's just on the table. Certainly, John, you know, from a, from a, from a wine standpoint, as, as far as wine in Europe, it's just kind of considered a beverage. It's with every meal. It's just there like we would have water, you know, on the table at, at every meal. So I think there's a lot of, we can get into all the nuances of, of different types of feta. I think what's interesting, obviously, is, is Greece, you know, did get that PDO designation. So they effectively have the rights to the name, but there's so many other surrounding countries that make their own versions of feta cheese, this this kind of salted, pressed, brined cheese. Uh, and then you have other countries. France is, is an interesting example that makes a feta style cheese that just that's considerably different, that's just a lot creamier and softer and sort of richer as opposed to kind of the, the more bracing, briny sort of style of feta. So. Yeah, I want to talk about the Greek stuff because I am personally obsessed with it. Me too. I think I had my first real feta experience when I was traveling through Europe in college and went to Greece for the first time and had a Greek salad in Greece, which is amazing. I mean, that the, the peasant salad, which is just cucumbers, tomatoes, onions, and a large slab of feta. And I remember the first time I ever saw that large piece of feta thinking, oh, that's 
kind of a lot of cheese for a, <laughs> for a kind of a small salad, you know, and there was oregano and olive oil on it. And the second I started eating that cheese, I was like, wow, this has nothing to do with the feta that I've ever tasted no. before in my life. That's correct. And there's a major difference between feta from Greece and feta from anywhere else. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint when you know it, you know it. Charles, the literal translation of feta is slice. Slice from the Italian feta. Yes. Yeah. So when John is describing his first feta memory, it's, you know, this slice of this cheese on top of the salad. What are some other ways the feta is used? It has so many different applications. And, I, and from savory to sweet, I mean, if you've ever had pan fried feta, just a, like a light dusting of flour, just a quick little pan fry with a, with a drizzle of honey and like a little, you know, sesame seed or something like that on top, it, it basically becomes a dessert uh, and just like a really great combo there. Obviously, you know, feta is a major part of the souvla menu and is now finding its way into other applications aside from our sandwiches and salads. We are producing uh, a breakfast sandwich that's now being flown on Delta Airlines on their flights out of San Francisco. So we kind of drew a little bit of inspiration from the, the classic sort of New York bodega, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. And in this case, we're making fresh pita dough and we're stuffing it with egg and sausage and feta. And that combination right there, you know, makes for something that I think is is really, really special. Well, I, I just want to just uh, take a half step back and just also celebrate the the village salad that you were talking about, horiatiki salata, or village salad, which much like feta cheese is also a staple at basically every meal. There are very few dishes that I can probably eat every day for the rest of my life. Definitely one of them. It's, it's also just one where the quality of the ingredients, whether it's the feta, whether it's the olive oil, really stand out. We're playing around with whipped feta right now and actually even blending it a little bit with uh, some honey. So we're kind of introducing a little bit of, of, the, of the sweetness to sort of counteract some of that brininess. I feel like whipped feta is kind of having a moment right now. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it mm -hmm. on a lot of menus. How do you whip feta for people at home that aren't professional chefs? What's the secret? It's obviously a very crumbly cheese normally. If anyone has just a regular sort of KitchenAid stand mixer or something like that at home with a paddle like you would use to make feta with yogurt in there, sometimes milk will kind of help to sort of soften it a little bit. There's a traditional Greek spread called tiro kefteri a whipped spicy feta. If you dine out at Greek restaurants, you'll sort of see that alongside uh, tzatziki or taramosalata or some of the other classic Greek spreads. And that's feta whipped with some form of a spicy pepper. I've seen it done with jalapenos or poblanos. I've seen it done with harissa, other, other spicy things, but it makes for just a really, really great spread. What should people look for when they're buying a high quality feta? What are the attributes? I think step one, when in doubt, buy Greek feta. And I'm not just saying that as a proud Greek American, there's a lot of feta that's being made outside of Greece that doesn't have the magic and the quality and the flavor profile um, that you find in a traditional Greek feta. And again, not to speak ill of the other sort of surrounding regions, because there's there's other interesting sort of feta type cheeses that exist in, you know, Bulgaria and, you know, Israel and sort of the areas that sort of surround. I almost think of them as a, a different product, even though Greece has the PDO protection, there's still some liberties that get taken, especially with, with domestically produced feta. The, the consumer just sees feta on the container and they think that it's from Greece and they put it in. So you want to check that first. You want to you want to see where it's coming from. There's a lot of, you know, domestic feta that's produced that is just 
made differently. You know, the Greek stuff is always going to be sheep's milk based with some goat. I think you'll find a lot of cow's milk feta doesn't sort of ring, you know, in the same way. Look for that made in Greece. The other thing I would add is if possible, whenever possible, buy the feta in brine. And this is not a paid endorsement for Trader Joe's. I happen to seek out the feta in brine in a little plastic tub at Trader Joe's. It's a great call out, John. And I, and also as a, just to integrate a little Subla back into this, uh, years ago, shortly after we opened, in the early, early days, you know, we were buying feta in these, you know, huge buckets, five gallon buckets. And we were always, of course, buying feta in brine. And we we're using it obviously in the sandwich itself. We had all this brine left over. And as a, and as a credit to our chef, Tony Cervoni had this great idea. We love Tony. Shout out to Tony for this one. Tony started basically reusing the feta brine as a brine for chicken. And so we started to sell whole roasted chicken out the door every night that was brined in the in the feta cheese brine. I love that. It brings about this this very, very pleasant lactic quality to the bird, but I think even more so, much like all good brines, it really um, lends itself to just creating a really, really juicy bird and also one that can be pretty forgiving. You know, chicken can sometimes be, be challenging to cook, can't undercook it, but, you know, no one likes overcooked chicken. You can pick up a, a whole chicken from Suvla and, you know, by the time you get it home and you throw it back in the oven and reheat it, it's still just as juicy and succulent as the moment that it came off of one of our rotisserie units. Tony and, knocked and, yeah. it out of the park with that recipe. Our friend uh, Melissa Clark uh, at, at uh, the New York Times uh, adapted it and it became a big feature and actually one of one of the most popular New York Times recipes that she's that she's done the the Suvla feta brine chicken. I was going to say anybody listening to this go into the New York Times archives for that recipe that Melissa put out there. You know, John and I were chatting before you popped on and he's mentioned that you guys went to visit the Colios factory in Greece. We did? What was that like? I don't want to say that it's simple, but it's, you know, it is also just interesting watching it being done at, at, at such scale. So you're, so you're taking predominantly sheep's milk, I believe by law, they can add up to 30% goat's milk. At this point, it's mostly pasteurized, bringing that up and you're allowing it to cool. And then you're starting to add your rennet, which starts to help sort of coagulate strain. You know, they were putting them into these huge blocks and then just throwing just a bunch of salt onto it. Um, and then it starts to kind of press a little bit. It's generally aged and, and of course adding water, which is, you know, where this, where this brine is, is, is coming from. It's kind of, you know, combination of, you know, the water, the salt and all, and, and everything coming out of that, that dairy mixture that, that sort of formed this brine generally aged sometimes for, you know, only a few days. Um, we tasted some really great barrel aged feta, which is kind of the more sort of uh, traditional style that, you know, kind of like when you're when you're drinking sort of like an older wine takes on sort of interesting secondary and sort of tertiary qualities to it. It is a little bit different than if you were to go to cheese making in other parts of Europe or anywhere else in the world. I read somewhere that something like 85% of all the feta that's made in Greece is consumed in Greece. The production behind it has to be very, very streamlined and at very, very high scale and doesn't necessarily you know, have to take the the aging route of, of like a Parmesan or something like that. That really was, was a spot on description. This is something that's been made for hundreds and hundreds of years, if not a thousand oh, years. Thousands. It dates back to, I want to say like the eighth century BC. They didn't call it feta back. But if you dig into the history behind it, you know, the Greeks have been, have been producing and much like wine, shipping feta cheese all over, you know, what is modern day Europe. 
I have to mention this because we're talking about feta. I feel like during the pandemic, there was this feta pasta craze on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Did you try and do it? John, did you try and do it? I did not. I'm a straight, oh, I'm a straight feta not guy. Only, not only did I try to do it, I did it. It's now actually in the air on uh, on our Suvla Delta menu. Really? That's yep. awesome. How do you make yep. this? Yes. You take a big a big hunk of feta like you would put on top of a salad, put it in a sheet pan with some olive oil, put some cherry tomatoes, salt, pepper, oregano, and just roast it in the oven until the, the tomatoes are kind of blistered and starting to kind of pop a little bit and the, and the cheese will have a little bit of color to it. Uh, we take orzo pasta, cook it, blanch it, and then, you know, obviously, and strain it, of course. You basically just dump the entire contents of the sheet pan into the pot with the cooked orzo and just mix the whole thing up. It's incredibly delicious. When we make it at scale for Delta, we do it a little bit differently. We end up effectively making a little bit more of like a feta cream sauce almost, like it's folded in. When we, when we produce food for the airlines, it, it gets boarded onto the airlines cold and it gets reheated in the air. I'm thinking through all of the different menu items that we're producing for Delta right now, I would say that there's feta cheese in almost every one of them. So Charles, going back to something you said about the Delta Airlines menu, and I'm sure, yes. you know, John, you fly a lot. Typically, the food on airlines is not that great. Mm -hmm. And we're hearing a lot more of these local restaurants kind of partnering with airlines to create better dining experiences. What, you know, what was that like? pleasant. Um, but I agree with you. One of, the, one of the things that's always sort of been, you know, lacking in, in many airlines is, is the quality of the food. And, and, and Delta has, you know, really started to separate itself from the other major domestic carriers by really investing in the quality of their food through these restaurant partnerships. So um, a few months ago, uh, Sugla had uh, the, the great privilege to, to join two other really, really great restaurant brands in the U.S. To, to form sort of the third restaurant partnership with Delta Airlines. We are actually producing the food. This is not some sort of like a licensing deal where we give them the grant recipe and, and some third party, you know, makes it for us. We have gone through a, a tremendous process, you know, over the last nine months to overhaul and retrofit one of our uh, production kitchens to meet their needs. When you get on a Delta flight, you're actually eating super food. We have now several menu items in the air that feature feta cheese. In fact, to my knowledge, this is the first time that Greek cuisine has ever been featured on a major domestic airline. I want to jump back to talk about Suvla a little bit more. I love Suvla. Every time I go to no, San Francisco, it's always on my must visit list. It's the most delicious food. I don't know if you've been to Suvla or not. It's, it's, it's such a simple concept. It's great. It's these Suvla, Suvlaki sandwiches in the most pillowy pita bread. That's just like, they're so wonderful and simple. You have something there called Granch, a riff on ranch dressing. What is the Granch? Yeah. Granch is effectively ranch dressing made with Greek yogurt. So we take Greek yogurt and we blend in herb and spice profile that you would find in traditional ranch dressing. Um, and that forms the base sort of yogurt dressing for our chicken salad, which is uh, the number one selling item at Suvla. We put buttermilk powder in to be able to kind of you know bring out that, that sort of tanginess. We own the trademark to the name. There's no fat 
Nevada in the Grange. It is one of those things that is now quite synonymous with Suvla and the Suvla menu. Suvla started about eight years ago in Hayes Valley in San Francisco. I think almost, Charles, that neighborhood when you started that wasn't really what it is today. You know, Suvla almost became kind of a little bit of the anchor of that neighborhood. You're now in four locations. I've been asking you this for years. When are you going to open in New York? I mean, we need this yeah. kind of food on the East Coast. No, thank you. I know. And we were about to open in New York in 2020. Um, we had a spot and then we all know what happened. So New York is is unfortunately back on hold. Here's a little tidbit that I either read or heard about. Michelle Obama, the fir- former first lady, was kind of, uh, you like know, whenever fan? she was in San Francisco, she would, you know, order up to-go souvla sandwiches to take back to Washington. Can you elaborate? Is that true? Uh, that is true. A few years ago, we received an inquiry from someone from her team um, that requested food for her return flight out of San Francisco back to Washington, D.C., that whenever she was in town, she would send someone out to get Sula. So we, we never really knew prior to that she was a Sula fan or, and or, you know, had, had had it before. But she wrote really lovely, really thoughtful thank you notes, both to myself and to the to the Sula team sort of became a big uh, news story. So, that is so um, cool. Smart lady. Yeah. She obviously has very great taste. Yeah. And it must have been such, <laughs> such a thrill for you to, to. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Especially, especially cause, cause the, cause the inbound inquiry was pretty anonymous and pretty generic. Fantastic. I personally cannot wait to get back to San Francisco. It's been about two years. Can't wait to walk back into Suva and get my favorite Suva sandwich with the Granch. And I think I even get a little bit of feta crumbled on that sandwich. So, Charles, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Charles. This was an awesome conversation. We can't wait for the day that we can have a souvla sandwich together. Thank you so much. No, it is truly my pleasure. Thank you both. Uh, such, a, such a wonderful treat to be able to talk about feta cheese and, and all things Greek food. This episode is sponsored by Kolios Feta, some of the greatest cheeses imported from Greece. So, John, on the line today, we have Dr. Rosemary Entomonolaiki from Kolios Feta. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about Kolios Feta and uh, the history of the company. Well, the company of Kolios has a very long history. It was founded in 1948 in Polikas which is in northern part of Greece. And at first, since 1948, started with producing cheese from cow's milk. In 1974, it passed to the second generation of Kolios family. It started producing other cheeses as well, such as feta. Feta in late 1990 became a PDO product. So there was a big a request for the production of feta and a big export of feta throughout Europe and United States. So Kolios saw this opportunity, invested a lot of money into making a new factory, which was built in 2002. And it was one of the biggest in Greece for the production of feta cheese. So in 20 years, Kolios managed to produce 20 times more feta. It became one of the key exporters in Greece 
for the feta cheese. Yeah, I mean, Coleos is the most popular feta that we sell at Chef's Warehouse. What makes it, you know, so delicious and so good? What kind of distinguishes Coleos from other brands in Greece? The quality of the milk. We have contracted farmers that we only work with them and they have their animals grazing the field, good raw material. And I think this is the key for the production of a very high quality product. Understood. The key is the high quality of the raw ingredient of the milk. After this, we have a very modern state-of-the-art production line with automatic packaging machines that can produce very efficient, safe product with no contaminations. Feta cheese is produced from the best raw materials throughout a very modern production line. It is uh, matured for two months in brine and then packed in a very automatic way into the product that you are getting. Wow. So it takes two months to make the blocks of feta that we get? Yes, definitely. Wow. Two months of maturation. And this is a requirement for the PDO of feta. And during these two months, the bacteria that are incorporated in the raw milk grow and give this excellent taste to the sheep and goat's milk that are the main ingredients of the cheese. What should consumers look for when they're, you know, what makes a high quality feta? Very high quality feta is a feta that is very tasty, which includes all the aromas that one can search for, that has no contaminations, no yeasty or very spicy flavor. The consumer is asking for a product that has a long shelf life, but it keeps the aroma, the taste, the texture as the first day that the consumer bought the package of the feta. As they would buy it if they were in Greece, tasting the product by the sea in a taverna. In terms of recipes, how else are you, you know, seeing feta cheese in Greece? People consume more than 10 kilograms of feta per year. Wow very common to eat feta almost with every meal. We incorporate feta in our recipes with spinach pies, also common here as a breakfast, as a cheese pie. So we started breakfast with feta and then with lunch, we always have a salad prepared also with feta. And this salad is called Horiatiki, the name of a village salad, let's say. At this point, a big piece of feta, around 100 grams of feta, is on top of the salad. A lot of dishes also are made with feta, plates called imam, plates with ogbertin, uh, plates with meat, plates uh, with other vegetables. You can find feta in most of the recipes. It is cheese that was eaten in Greece since ancient years. It is really connected to the Greek way of life. You can find in Aristoteles' writing, in Pythagoras, in other ancient also writers, even in modern Greek life. Now it's packed in small packages of 50 or 100 grams or 200 grams 
and the mother can send a piece of feta in the school bag for the child to eat or in a sandwich. So it is linked with every day's nutrition in Greece. So it's like part of growing up. It's something that a child will remember throughout their life. Yes, of course. And we also remember our grandparents. They would go do the, their farm work, collect olives from the olive trees, and their lunch would be a piece of bread with feta. These are memories that come into us, but also we can understand the very high nutritional value of feta. It is full, not only with calcium, but also with a lot of vitamins. Not a very high fat product. It is, let's say, a medium fat product, a little bit more salt than other cheeses. Mm -hmm. Now there's a tendency to reduce the salt content. In general, though, the nutritional value of feta is very high. This conversation has been great. I've learned a tremendous amount. I think uh, everyone is probably uh, drooling and wishing they could have some feta cheese right now. So thank you, Rosemary, for your time. And we appreciate the partnership with Coleosa Chef's Warehouse. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Ingredient Insiders, where chefs talk. Like what you hear? Write us a review and follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.